How many like that song? Any good? Any good? This is the second original single from One Seed Worship. It's a real thing. We're not playing around here. We've given our life to this. It's not just what you see here. It's our life. We got a vision. Um, we got all kinds of stuff happening. We're going to have a Roku channel soon where you can go to Roku and watch One Seed Church. It's the wave of the future television, so we're trying to get in on it and expose ourselves to the masses because there's people all over the world, not just in our community, we're trying to reach. We're trying to spread the gospel to the world. But we're so glad you're here. Today is the last day of September. Which, by the way, you can get the song if you want it. You can get it on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. What else, Nick? Wherever else they sell songs online, it's there. And some of our other music as well. But we're excited for the future. In November, uh, we'll be starting a full worship band. We'll have some musicians in here. Uh, we're quickly changing and shifting as God is providing. We are accepting the challenge and taking more steps. Amen? We take steps, he gives us more. We take more steps, he gives us more. We stop taking steps, he quit gives, giving us more. That's how faith works. We go first. So we do it boldly. But we're so excited to be here. If it's your first time, welcome. My name is Pastor Jeff Gwaltney. And if I think I saw Jeff, the uh, other Gwaltney, our Kun is it Kuntz? C good to see you, man. It's been, what, eight years, I think? At Organic, we saw him last. When, I was when my brother dedicated Caleb, I think, you were there. When Caleb was like six months old, Jeff was visiting us um, from Ozarks. He has a big thing with the Gwaltney ancestry tree. He can tell you everything about the Gwaltneys. I could not tell you anything, but he knows it all. So we're so glad to have you. And everyone that's here, we're just so thankful. But last night was a little rough for me. We have sleepover night on... Friday, but this week I was challenged to do it a little differently, and my daughter Chloe, who's eight and not bashful and very um, particular sometimes, says, Daddy, you're going to sleep in my room. I said, I don't know about that, you know, preaching, church, all that. I don't sleep good in hotels. I don't sleep good in other people's rooms in general, but Daddy, you know, she whips out the tears on me. So we decided, all the kids, we got four kids, all the kids are going to sleep over in Chloe's room. And they're going to sleep on the floor. And I, I don't know, I don't know, Sully, if you can relate to this because you don't have kids yet. But when you have kids, they're, they, they're what I call uh, room destroyers, room wreckers. And in a matter of seconds, I don't know about y'all's children, but my children can destroy a room in a matter of seconds with toys, blankets, pillows, dolls, cards, balloons, cardboard, trash, old mail. It doesn't matter. It's in the room in seconds. They can just wreck the room. In seconds. And so I've come to terms that that's just the way it is with kids. I'm not going to fix it. It's just a matter of time. They'll outgrow it someday. I'm kind of a neat and tidy person. And so when it's wrecked, I don't do so good. So we had to sleep over. And by like 2 a.m., I just, I woke up and sure enough, Chloe sees me. You, you, you can't leave. I'm like, it's 2 a.m., Chloe. I've been here half the night. Let a brother go. I got to go preach the message. You don't understand how stressful this is, trying to sleep in your, your little bed with your dolls, and I got to preach the gospel tomorrow. You don't know. I didn't say all that, but I wanted to, but she's eight, and so I had to say, it's okay, babe. I got to go, really. I got to go, and so she whipped out the tears again. I said, listen, that's it. I'm going. You can't stop me, so I went to my bed, and I slept the other 
I'll just say I slept the four hours. But the reason I'm telling you is because if you'd seen her room, it looked like a bomb went off. If you seemed our playroom, it often looks like a bomb went off because they can just destroy the room in a matter of seconds. And to them, it's, it's normal. It looks good. To me, it's just a wreck. I can't relax. I got these two white pillows I like to watch TV with. It's really weird. There's a few things that bring me like just peace to, in, the, in these days, it seems like, besides the presence of the Lord, of course. And it's these two pillows that I believe God sent to my house because I like to sit on the couch with these two pillows and watch TV. And it's, it's got, my, my wife's got 50 fashion pillows in the house, and they're all awkwardly uncomfortable. They rub your skin weird, but they look good, and that's what matters. And none of them are comfortable, but these two, they're like from heaven. They're soft, white, furry, but not too hot because I get hot easy. And they just sit there. And I know this is something I never thought I'd preach on was my love for these pillows. But the, the passion is so deep for these pillows. But they got them taken off in their forts. And every time I go to sit down, the pillows are missing. I can't reach it. I'm all flustered. I can't enjoy TV when my pillows aren't present. And they got the room erect. And I got I to gotta hopscotch over 10 toys and, and, and Peppa Pig this and, and uh, Shopkins this and, uh, you know, drink cups this and cereal bowls with spoons. They eat cereal dry out of the bowl with a spoon. They think that's cool. And there's, like, fragments in the carpet. And Chloe got out the hole puncher. And there's hole punch papers all wedged in our carpet. It's a thick, it's a thick heavy carpet. I forgot what do they call it, like an 8-ounce or 70-ounce or something. It's a real thick stuff so those are all in there and it just bugs me when I walk in there I can't focus because it's a mess anybody else like that one person and he's related go figure everybody else is cool just sitting in the sitting in the wreckage it's perspective right it doesn't look like a mess to everyone my kids don't think so but what caught my attention to write this message was the wreck they wrecked the room. I've heard people start saying this. It's like a slang. God wrecked me. It's like, what? He wrecked you? He like ran you into a wall? No, he, he shook me up so bad. He wrecked me. He wrecked my life. He wrecked everything in it. He made a mess of my playroom. That's what God did. So my question is, have you ever been wrecked by a situation where you were left with such a mess in your mind from what took place, you told yourself, I will never go near that, that person, that thing, that thought, that situation again, because I don't like messes. God forbid I ever go through that experience again. As we often think, God will never bring discomfort. God will draw the good from the bad times in our life. He often allows things to take place, place in order to shake us up so we can get our attention and set our eyes on him. And he will allow a mess. I didn't say he made the mess. He will allow the mess. Because sometimes, without the mess, we, he can't get our attention. So in order to get our focus on him, he's got to let the mess happen so we can go, okay, now what? I remember you're there. I remember, like the Unify this morning, now I remember he's there. Have you ever feel, felt, I can't speak this morning. I, I messed up on the guitar, by the way. Sorry about that. It happens. Have you ever looked back on a time where you felt beaten, knocked down, isolated, and later you realized you made a change for the better because of it? It was a mess, a heaping pile of confusion, a disaster, but God brought good from it. It was wrecked. 
You are wrecked in that season. What was it yesterday before I get to my scripture? I went over to, oh, I know what it was. My wife likes to buy these really awkward pieces of furniture that are supposed to hang on the wall. And they, they hang by toggle bolts, but they're supposed to hold like all this stuff. And I don't like toggle bolts, and I'm always afraid it's not going to be weight-bearing shelves. So she buys these industrial, it's called pipe shelves, that are going to hang on the wall. And it looks really cool, but there's no studs where we're going to hang it. And so we're just going to use 500 toggle bolts. And anybody that knows me, I'm not like Jesus in his carpentry skills. I like to just say, hey, anybody know how to help me do this? I'll go to YouTube. I'll try, but I often damage stuff in the process. And I messed up our wall three times or so with these toggle bolts. And finally, I caved in the drywall because the toggle bolts they gave me were cheap. And when I went to screw the thing in, to hold the thing in, it just ripped it right out of the wall. And I was getting mad and I was wrecking the wall. And I went, I went over to my, my mom and dad live next door. I know it's weird. They do. And I ran out of toggle bolts because now I had to get more toggle bolts that were bigger to fix the smaller holes I ripped out of the wall. And so I went over and I just stood on the driveway and I just literally just sat down like this. Just me in the driveway. My parents were inside the house. They didn't know I was there yet. Because I was getting so frustrated. I felt like I was drowning in this toggle bolt nightmare. And I was destroying my wall for this cheap shelf. That did turn out pretty good, by the way. Not criticizing your taste. I was destroying my wall to try to get this shelf up. And I finally had to just stop and say, regroup, brother. It's not that bad. And then I went home and Fixed it after a couple more meltdowns. Oh, I wasn't supposed to say that part. But I was in a wreck, and I, I couldn't seem to get a grip. If we go to Matthew today, chapter 21, it's a lot of scripture. It's two verses today. So I hope you can hang in there. That's about my attention span is two. So I try to pick two because if it goes beyond two for me, I, I kind of drift. So two words, two verses, that's, that's my max. That was a joke, by the way. Jesus is making his way into the house of God or the temple. And the temple has changed a little bit over the years. You know, if you don't check in once in a while, you might be building a mess and not know it. And what had happened over the years was the Pharisees had made a mess in God's house. His room of honor and sacredness was being contaminated with man's mess. We go to chapter 21, verse 12 through 13. It says, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. It was like eBay in person. Okay? It's an auctioneer type thing. Bartering. And he overturned the tables and of money changers and seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house... My temple, my room, my life shall be called a house of prayer. But you, everybody say, you have made it a den of thieves. So I've read this a million times, but I didn't really get the full context. I had to put a little study into it. And here, here's what's happening is they're bringing doves and animals to, to sell off as sacrifices for money. And the money changers, they were actually changing the currency between the, the temple coins and the common dollar at that time. It was crazy, and Jesus uh, wasn't too happy because that's not what the temple was intended 
4. The title of my sermon today is Room Wrecker. Room Wreck. Room Wrecker. Room Wreckage. Are you in a wreck? Have you been in a wreck? In this particular time, I'm not talking about the car wreck. I'm talking about a room wreck. I was in a car wreck. That's a couple weeks from now. Strong hands. It's another sermon about God's hand pushing me out of the way of damage from death in a wreck. But we're going to get to that in a few weeks. See, the remnants of the wreckage are what build a new discovery in Christ. Without sifting through the remnants of what happened, we can't build a new discovery in Christ. And let's just face it, some of us don't like the mess to deal with. I'm a neat freak. You can call it OCD. It may be. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm 39. I'm just coming to grips with, hey, this is just how it is. And I am, I am loosening a bit. But I don't like what messes do to my focus. They sway my focus. I like control of how I do it. My bedroom as a kid, true story, not that it wouldn't be otherwise, but when I was a kid, I'd watch the old, anybody remember the old Batman and Robin TV show? It was like really corny, you know, they'd, they'd bang, and the word bang would pop up like it was really cheesy. And I'd get my Totino, Tostinos, Totinos, pizza, the little, the, like the worst tasting frozen pizza ever, but they're nostalgic now. I'd get those, and I'd have to make my bed first, and I, not because my mommy told me to, because I could not enjoy my Batman and my Tostinos without my bed being made. I know, it's weird. It's weird, Sully. It's weird, man. This is how I was. My bed was nice and neat. I'd sit in there and I watched Batman. And that was joy to me. But it had to be made. And I still think about those pizzas to this day. They're forever etched in my memory, even though I don't eat them, because they're like 30 grams of like saturated fat in like one little bite. It's crazy. But we're not talking about fat today. We're talking about wreckage. We want it perfectly neat when you're used to having it your way, because then you have control. You have full control. And some of us like it in our mess, and we're going to get that. To them, that's neat. But right now, we're talking about neat freaks. If you're a neat freak, raise your hand. We had one who left the room. We got, oh, we got more neat freaks. Oh, yeah. I'm not the only one. I'm not the only, I'm going to write a new song called, I'm not the only neat freak at church. Will I add a rap to it? I don't know. This is what happens when you don't get all your coffee for the morning. It's still sitting in my truck. <laughs> we build our lives around this idea of perfection, right? Perfectly pinned neat. And that's our image we give to the world. But maybe it's not the image God wants you to give because it's not the godly image he designed it to be in your temple or room. And it's impossible to uphold that standard forever. We're building our lives around this idea of perfection. And we've decided that our way is the best way. So if anything comes along like the Word of God and shakes us up, we don't really like it. I'm not going to that church. They don't tell me what I want to hear. That's kind of the point. It's to bring godly and sensitive out of love conviction. Is to shake you up and have you analyze your room and say, is my temple conveying operations that match God's purpose for my temple? Am I living in a temple that's holy, or am I living in a temple that's full of a den of thieves? Whatever that may be to you. Does anybody else do this when they have company? You know, you got what? Usually three, four bedrooms in a house, and you got the dining room, and you got the family room, you got the living room, you got the kitchen, you got the bathrooms, you got the basement. But you know, most people only come over, they see the family room, right? 
They're going to see the family room, maybe the kitchen. So all the junk quickly goes in the other rooms, right? We shut the doors. Right? Anybody do that? Anybody clean their whole house when they got a company? Come on now. I see some laughs. Come on. See, we only want them to see what we want to portray. But the truth is behind those doors what it really is. It's kind of like social media. We portray the selfies, but they don't see me, you know, you know, shooting down Colton every two seconds because the kid gets in trouble like more than I can count. And I love him to death, but that's just the truth. And so I don't put selfies of me yelling at Colton because it's not, it's not what I want you to see. It, it messes with what you think of me in my neatness of my room. You with me? I don't want you to see that mess, but I got a mess. I got lots of messes. We all got messes. And when you're a neat freak, we don't like to see a mess. We don't like to claim a mess. We don't do that. Ew. It makes you unorganized. I can't focus when there's toys stabbing me in my bare feet. All of my 30s. It's hard to focus. I can't focus. But the remnants of the wreckage are what build discovery. And when the wreckage is due to Christ coming in your house and overthrowing your room, he's trying to get you to take your focus off that stuff and say, hey, man, I'm here to show you you're doing it wrong. You're doing it the world's way. My house is a house of prayer, and you have made it a den of thieves. And it makes us stress. I'm sure the money changers weren't too happy when all their coins went flying all over the, all over the, the floor and they messed, Jesus came and messed it up for them. But I bet he got their attention. Some of us are such neat freaks when we go to heaven. I wonder, are we going to complain because the clouds are not as symmetrical as I'd like them to be, as I expected. And God, why did you make the clouds so off kilter? Anybody have issue with alignment and the visual? It bugs them? No. <laughs> I do a lot of visual work on the computer. So when things are out of alignment, distance-wise, it, again, it's another mess. You don't know about me. But God forbid I complain about the clouds that God provided in heaven when I get there because it's not neat enough for me. Hopefully I won't care. Would your room be arranged as Jesus desires to? Come on, guys, you with me? All right, so we talked about need freaks. Let's talk about what I call the opposite. It's the, I can't see the floor, people. It sounds extreme. I got a buddy I grew up with, and I'd say, if you're watching this, but I know he don't watch this because he don't, he don't watch this, even though I tell him, hey, man, you should tune in sometimes. My whole, my whole life I've been trying to bring him to church. But if you're watching, Josh, yeah, I'm talking about you. Come to church, brother. It's overdue. Anyway, call out. I'm going to talk about your room. When we were kids, my best friend, Josh, okay, we wrestled together. He messed my neck up. It's awesome. We've, we've, we've crashed on rollerblades together. I've been bloody numerous times. We've protected each other. He's like a brother. And we've, we've hated each other at times also because of, you know, drama. But in the end, we're still family. And Josh had this room that you literally could not see the floor. And he had books and, like, Diet Cokes and, and trash and, I mean, no carpet or floor was showing, literally. And I'm like, where do you put your feet? You just step on the stuff. And he had, these big, he had these big old computer books. And I remember thinking, how on earth in the name of the Lord do you do anything? To him, it was fine. It was normal. He knew right where 
you know, book number 37 was at that's this fat, and he was a super smart guy, super smart guy. But to him, that was not a mess. It was neat. It looked good to him. He, he thought because it looked good, it was good. But I walked in there, and I about just fell out of my shoes. I said, Lord, how you live in this mess? He didn't change it. Can't even see the floor. Some of our lives are like that. We've created a mess, and we're okay with it. We've gotten used to the mess. Or like last week, I was talking about we got used to the stains, you know, too many stains. But this week, we're talking about messes, and, and our lives get so messy, we become used to it. Now that's our new, we, we adjust our standard because keeping it neat is difficult. There's times we've let our situation clutter our relationship with Jesus. It's a mess. We've slowly compromised what we allow in our temple. The Bible says our body is to be a temple that the Spirit of the Lord, dwell, Spirit of the Lord dwells in. When we come saved, born again, a new creation in Christ, it's because his DNA through the infilling of the Holy Spirit comes into us and we become one. And our temple is to house the Spirit of the Lord. And our temple is to be a house of prayer and holy and sanctified because now the Spirit dwelleth in us. But when we've made it a den of thieves and we're conducting eBay in the Bible days, selling doves for cash money, God sometimes got to come in and say, that's not what I want. That's not what I want. That's not what I designed for your life to be. You're settling and you don't even know that that's not even what it's about. Our body is a temple. What's in your temple? What's going on in your temple? Your life is to reflect your temple, right? What would God think of your room? What would he find in there? Would God seek anything in your room to overturn like he did the tables of the money changers? Would he, would he go into your room and go, uh-uh, boom, come on now. Really? You've been in church how long and you still think that? Come on, man, my word says it right here. Would he do that? If you truthfully are seeking the Lord, I challenge you to ask yourself that and face it because that's the only way he can fix it is if you face it. If you keep saying it's fine the way it is. You're deceiving yourselves, and in the end, you're the one that's getting hurt by this mess. We need a revelation sometimes. The Pharisee contaminated God's house so bad that they lost sight which why, for what it was intended for. And he'll expose things to you in the remnants that you didn't even know existed anymore. You forgot about that part of you because it's been buried in that mess for so long. You know, like when you lift the couch and you find the quarter, the Cheeto, and the three or four toys covered in lint balls, and the kids go, I've been looking for that. It's been missing for two years. I forgot I was a loving person. I forgot I was sensitive to people. Now I'm brash and harsh. I forgot because it's been in, in the pile. I can't find it what's in the pile. I've got to sift it out. I've just lived with it in the pile for so long. I forgot what being kind was. I forgot what going to church was about. I forgot what loving Jesus was about. I forgot about those pizzas till I dug a bit. 
It's funny how your mind forgets things. When it's buried after a while, you'll eventually forget it, forget it. You got to sift through the remnants to build that new discovery in what Christ is trying to show you. God will come in and give you a mess, but the key to the mess is you got to clean it up. If you want to grow from the situation, you got to clean it up, not just let it be. Some of you are so deep in problems, you've forgotten how to reach for God to turn it around. You just throw your hands up like our basement and all the boxes. Sometimes we just throw our hands up. Our basement is such a mess, not calling out any names, Michelle, but our basement is such a mess. We just throw our hands up and say, it's just, it's, it's impossible to get out of this hole, man. I say, you know, sometimes you just got to go in the room and you say, it's got to go now. Not tomorrow. It's got to go now. I don't care if I can make a couple bucks selling this for six months on Craigslist. I don't want the two bucks. It's got to get out of my room now. No more waiting. No more waiting. It's got to go. We just had a talk about this. And it's, it's, it's spiritually connected, even though it sounds like a petty thing. But we've been trying for months to sell all this nickel-dime stuff at a garage sale. And it's slowly contaminating, in my mind, our house. And I finally said, look, it doesn't matter. It's just got to go. It's got to go out the door. It don't need to stay no longer because it's not worth trying to keep that in our life anymore. It's stopping us from having room to find more in the Lord because we're dealing with this mess that will never go away until we say, that's it. It's got to go. You with me? Anybody got a mess? Sometimes it's just got to go. You just want to leave it. You want to let it go. It's got to go. And God, I need you to help me get it out because there's too much here. I need a tractor trailer to get all this mess out of my life. And he says, I got the trailer. I'm the Lord. I got, I got heavenly angels willing to just take it right out of your house. But you got to get it out. And you got to ask me to help take it out. You got to call on me to overthrow those tables. And now that I've made the mess and shown you, now call on me to get it out because I want to restore the temple. I want to restore your temple, your life. Your body, it was meant to be a house of prayer. And I know by this point, you're thinking, why bother because I'm not worthy? And he says, it doesn't matter because you're not worthy. But by my grace, I have provided you a way. But you have to follow. Go and sin no more, he told the woman called in the act. Drop your nets, drop your poles, and follow. It takes action. I got to walk to follow Christ. You can't follow something that you're not moving towards. Right? Well, I'm just saved by grace. No, grace is the door, but you got to walk, baby. Walk through it. That's another topic that's been on my mind, so it's coming out early. We're going to talk about grace in a few weeks. God wants to restore the temple, and sometimes you need a little wreckage in your room to realize there is a problem in your temple. It is not as efficient and well-defined as you think. It's really an awful mess, but you're so used to it, you think it's a well-oiled machine headed towards the wrong direction, possibly. There's a consequence. You want to go to heavenly places. God wants to restore your temple. It matters. You thought you had it figured out, and God says, no, I have it figured out. You have to call on me because you can't do it alone without me. i got to quit living to my standards and go by what God says. We've all contaminated at some point our house and regret things we've said, actions that took place, and later we're just like, man, I wish, I wish that wouldn't have happened. But that's why we have grace. 
Because no matter how many times we've fallen, if we're willing to ask for help to clean it up again, he says, no problem. Come, child. I am ready to clean up that mess and bring you back to a holy temple that I designed you to be. Because if you claim my name and this, my spirit dwells in you, you are to claim the light of Christ. Not that junk. That's, that's a den of thieves over there. We're getting that out of here. We're giving somebody something new today giving you a new life. God wants to clean your life, your temple, your house, your room. It's all the same thing. He wants to get rid of that wreckage and he wants to have you ask him for help. He wants to free your mess and take it to the curb once and for all. And he won't give you a mess you can't clean up, but you gotta call. Pick up the prayer, the prayer line. Lord, I can't do it. That's it, Lord. That's it, Lord, like on the driveway. I, I can't do it, Jesus. I can't do it. That's it. It's got to go. I'm done trying to figure out a way. I don't know the way because it's not working. That is it. It's got to go. And I call on you right now, Jesus, to take this from me in your mighty name because I know you will. That's what you got to do. If I can do it on this hard floor and hurt my knees, you can do it at home in your nice carpet in your room and no one's looking. Come on. It matters. Surrender. Truly surrender to the Lord and watch things change. Not 50%. All in. Jump in. Head first and watch things change. It might be messy right now. But God has come to clean. It's overdue. It's overdue. We've been waiting too long. Can y'all stand to your feet with me? You know what's funny about preaching is you're preaching the same truth over and over and over but you're trying to give it to people in different ways, different illustrations, different concepts, contexts. But at the end of the day, you're preaching the same thing. And that's in the end, Jesus saves. Jesus makes redemption. Jesus offers a way for new birth, regeneration. But you have to come to him and fully surrender for that to happen in order to clean up the wreck and to quit having the same wrecks and you know even when you become born again i probably told this before but i tend to repeat myself and i'm okay with that because if it makes it stick i'll say it 10 times but i remember td jakes years ago he said well the people in the church they sin too and he said yeah but when you got the holy ghost god will put a hook in your mouth and he'll yank you right back out of that sin because he said i never leave you or forsake you he's going to come back to his child just like the 99 sheep and he left for the one he will not let you go astray that's why you need the spirit of the Lord in you because you are vulnerable to this world without it even after you've dumped, jumped in head first it never stops the battles will never go away but you're going to find purpose you're going to fight for more it's going to be hard you're going to have hand pain from crashing in the street lights and you're going to have issues but God will give you purpose and you're going to find that in the end that's what matters that's what made my life worth living if we could bow our heads I'm really a happy guy. I just get excited. Jesus, we come to you and we feel the anointing in this place. It's heavy. It's heavy on this 
house, that your temple is to be pure and sanctified by your spirit, a house of prayer that the spirit of the Lord can dwell in his courts, Lord. And we pray we never contaminate your house. And we know we've stumbled a few times and we are going to clean house today, God. We're going to get it out. We're going to leave here and get it out. We're not going to wait till Wednesday to get it out. It's gone. We're going to leave it here. We're going to leave it in the church. We're going to leave it at the altar. We're going to leave it in our seats. But we got to ask you to take it if we want to leave it. And if you take it, we know we don't have to deal with it no more. Touch us as we go about your week, as we go about our week. Keep us safe. If you want to stay and pray as we worship, I encourage you to pray. We're not here to call people out and make them feel awkward, but we do have people here that will pray with you. If you want prayer, you just come up here, and, and nobody's going to look at you, or you can pray in your seat. But if you need prayer, it's okay to just kind of put your finger up and say, I, I'd like someone to pray with me, and someone will come to you. That's how, that's how the, the Spirit will draw near to you. When you reach, God will draw near to you, and someone wants to come pray with you today and if you want to come to this altar you can do that too as we worship you do whatever you want to do but if you call on the name of the Lord the spirit will dwelleth near you touch us Lord in Jesus name as we continue to glorify your name and give praise as we worship amen